I, I blame Newsham for the fact that I'm like low MMR right now. This guy just holds Wait, me down. Welcome to Alchemy Answers, episode 33. Thanks for tuning in, guys, on our new home here on twitch.tv slash Dota Alchemy. And we, uh, we have a special guest. And uh, it's, it's Jenkins. Jenkins is joining us for Alchemy Answers. Um, I'm glad, and, glad wait, to be back. Wait, who's this third guy? We have a, That's what, elevated. What? That's elevated alchemy. We got the. Uh, we have, I have the wrong overlay. I'm gonna have to do this over again. No, I'm just kidding. Welcome <laughs> to the show, Jake. Uh, I mean, Newsham. How are you? Hey, today? man. I'm good. So. All uh, right, that's it for this week's episode. Yep. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we have some questions. Some solid questions. We have some from the Dora Alchemy official supporters, and we have some from myself. Uh, Donnie's supposed to prepare some questions. Did you get? Did you prepare any questions, Donnie? How was your preparation for this? Um, my preparation on? was not great, but I do have some questions. Okay, okay, good. Um, I guess we'll start with mine. Mine are like in sequence. Uh, it's like kind of cheating because I kind of know you. Uh, the first thing that I want to get out of the way, you could probably guess what I'm going to ask you about. I know you're bored of talking about this, but I, people that are probably going to listen to this and click on this are probably going to be interested in this. What do you think about Eternal Envy, that whole situation? Like, what do you think of him as a teammate? Because I know your opinion on him is different from what a lot of people would think it is. So, uh, I think his social skills are like pretty poor, and that's probably why a lot of people think so poorly of him. Mm -hmm. So I don't blame people for having that like, like public image of him. But uh, within a team, I thought he was a good teammate. Like... Uh, he gave a pretty good, like, I don't explain it. When I got kicked, he, like, was really good at handling it. Everyone else was really quiet. They weren't, like, upfront about it. And I'd way rather people just be, you know, blunt so I can, you know, move on with my life if I'm getting kicked. Yeah. Uh, I learned a lot from him, too. He's, like, a pretty good leader. I'd say he was, like, more of the captain than Mike, probably. I don't know if that's, like, a bad thing to say, but yeah. So I don't know. I think he gets more of a negative rep on social media and whatnot than he probably deserves but i i mean i can see why what he did is bad you know i'm not gonna like act like i'm not a little upset of, over what happened but i learned a lot from it so it's not like i can, he like it was the best team i've been on so yeah i don't know i wanted to ask That's you to that point since we're kind of talking about the uh your, your time on team team this year um there's also been a lot of discussion recently about just like the tier two tier three scene in general and like the health of it and where it's going and so i wanted to just kind of ask you as somebody who is in that area of the dota space like what your perception of of like the workload of like actually trying to make it um how hard is it to actually support yourself when you're trying to break into like the upper echelons of dota uh if it wasn't for having people supporting me, I couldn't do it. And I don't even mean, like, fans. Like, I appreciate fans, obviously, but, like, I just mean in terms of, like, living conditions. Like, uh, my parents letting me live there, you know, like, rent-free for a long time. I did move out for a while for, like, Leviathan, but, like, Tier 2, Tier 3 Dota. I wouldn't even say Tier 2. Like, Tier 2 NA and, like, Tier 3 Dota overall is, like, almost impossible to, like, actually live and sustain without, like, getting a job or some sort of income or, you know, having someone support you. I think it's, like, actually impossible. I don't know. It's really rough because like you have to play some like a certain amount of hours to beat these players, you know, like me or Mike who are putting in, you know, like eight hours a day. But like, you know, 
where this where's the money coming from like how do you pay right. rent how do you how do you eat food how do you, like how do you literally be alive? that's what i'm saying I, I, the thing i used to always say to people when they were like oh well how much do i have to play it's like well you know for every hour you're not playing there's someone like ix mike playing for you know four more hours than you every day so like can you be better than him and if you can't then the answer is don't play dota like don't try to be competitive don't don't waste your time it's like actually not worth it it's, it's just rough so that's my honest opinion i think it's like not really worth it <laughs> i don't know but you probably wouldn't thing. trade it regardless because i wouldn't trade it like the experience was great right but like yeah i had my path kind of paid for me my brother played esports when he was younger and like warcraft 3 and stuff so my parents were understanding of it they understood gaming and like you know there's times i got yelled at or whatever for like playing too much or not helping around the house or something random like that like any other parent but the point is like i know most people's parents don't understand gaming but like mine obviously did because they saw you know him earn money from random other games so it was like much easier for me so i can only imagine for most people it's just not worth it do you think it helped that uh your your older brother john was like so good at world of warcraft that he basically was able to get a job at blizzard just being like really good at the game and all the time that he invested gaming your parents saw that that essentially translated into this like yeah that game is actually successful career yeah, yeah, it's actually like they don't understand it, but they would like ask me, you know, like just be honest, it's like, yeah, is it going good? And I'd be honest, like sometimes not going so good. Like my teams are trash, we're just losing. They'd be like, all right, maybe you want to consider getting a job. And it's like, ugh. Was it sometimes was it, it worse well, so. before that? Did your like before John got that job? Were your parents less understanding oh, of it? Yeah, yeah, because okay. yeah. like he stopped playing competitive for a while he played like starcraft 2 and warcraft 3 but there was like a lull in between him getting his job at blizzard where like basically they weren't sure if esports was a thing because it's not like they're what you know they're not like on twitch like oh i wonder what Wreckful and soda pop and all these streamers are, they don't know what's going on, on twitch or yeah. dota or any of that they're just like they go by what we tell them so when they see you know he's not making money and he's just sitting around playing wow all day they don't they don't know what that means same with me playing dota they see the same thing they see a kid sitting on a computer Right. They don't know if it's Dota or WoW. They just see me and they're like, "Yo, are you, you gonna make money or like, what are you doing with your life?" So, Same I guess thing. I have a I have a follow up question to that. Um, number one, does that like psychologically affect you when you're playing? I, I guess back then when your parents weren't as supportive, like when they didn't under like, does the fact that they don't understand it and they just see you as a kid sitting in front of a computer, does that ever affect you? And if so, oh, like, how do you how do you uh, get past that? Earlier on, it affected me more. Like, everything affected me more. Like, viewers, all that stuff. Like, in the middle of the game, like, when I'm about to win, I'd start to choke because I'm thinking to myself, oh my god, I'm finally going to do it. You know, like, all these random weird thoughts that, like, aren't related to the game. It's like, I don't think about the lanes. I don't think about pushing. I just, like, I'm getting really excited that I'm about to win the game. And then, like, you get overzealous. You're trying to kill Throne, and then you die and stuff like that. Like, all these random factors that just shouldn't be there compared to, like, later on with, like, say, Team Leviathan, we're all living together, and we're, like, there's no stress. We're just playing dota in a house it's drastically different there's like a lot of pressure on you yeah yeah it's crazy just how i don't know jenkins and i have talked about this a lot recently i'm probably i'm sure you guys probably have as well because you guys talk about dota all the time but we've been more and more convinced that mechanics and that kind of stuff is like almost irrelevant like after a certain point and it's basically all about your mentality and your ability to just like stay focused through like bad situations and outside distractions and stuff like that. And that's, that's basically what determines whether you're successful. I've, um, it's actually new Sham that kind of like hammered that in for me. You, I remember you wrote me like one 
long message like a couple weeks ago, essentially sent like saying something along along those lines. And I was already kind of I was already kind of thinking in that direction just because of how I was I was like spamming heroes and pubbing. Wait, was and that the, like, the one where I said like after playing with better players, I can confidently tell you that. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like yeah. the difference between me and Snake King or me and Brax or something like that is that they're in, they're on the right in the right place on the map. At the right time, like they're thinking. Yeah, like they're the thinking general, about the right things. Yeah, yeah. The general game, like they're just thinking about different things that, that I'm thinking about. Because a long time, for a long time, I would think like mechanics mattered a lot. Like you needed to be good at last hitting. You needed to be good at pressing your spells. But I don't know. Maybe you could. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you could it's, sum up kind of what you told me. It's a lot like uh, any other game, really. Like uh, the the thing I said to Jenkins was I compared it to Counter Strike, where like a lot of players think. Or rather, the spectators think that these players are like amazing at, like, say, their reaction speed or something, which I would say is also like mechanics. And it's a lot less that; it's more like anticipation, right? Like, if you're anticipating what's going to happen in the game and you're in the right place on the map, then like using something like I don't know, a four-man Sand King stun, it's gonna just—it's just bound to happen. Like, those kind of plays only exist because you're doing other parts of the game, right? So, kind of like that. Kind of like um, the the way the way that I was um, at least for my like really shitty understanding of counter-strike the way that i like internalized that when you said that to me it was like i know that in counter-strike there are certain like peak spots that you look right where you know that if somebody's going a specific way on the map to get to one of the objectives like you peak there and if somebody follows that path like you can just shoot 12 seconds in and if somebody's yeah, right. running at full speed if you like hold the right angle you half the work is done for you all you have to do is point and click like a tiny bit right. different you know like yeah yeah Sounds and, like and 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 in and in Dota, basically to like bring it back to to bring it back to Dota, when you see somebody do something that looks like some insane mechanics or wow, somebody's already there to go for that smoke. How do they prepare for that smoke? It's it's literally like a minute ago they made the decision to literally just move their hero somewhere based on their understanding of the game. And it's it's never like oh my god that guy hit this huge RP on this hero that was amazing. It's usually like right from like a spectator's point of view. They see some like, oh my god, that guy got like some four man this or, you know, some crazy looking play. But like, it's not just about being able to press your buttons on four heroes. That's actually pretty easy to do. Like most people can handle doing that. But like, they don't know why that you know like exact event isn't occurring in their games. It's because they're doing something else wrong. It's not that they can't press blink and press echo slam on four heroes. Most people can do that. It's not hard. <laughs> anyway, okay, we'll get to the Patreon questions. Uh, for new sham. This is from Loey Val, Patreon supporter. Uh, we train with my friends, their team, and they're just trying to learn and have fun. Their current MMR range is between 800 and 2500. That's a vast MMR difference, by the yeah, way. I was going to say, but that's... improving fast, what are the best practices for playing and training as a team at this level? Uh, how do you practice team fights and ability timings? This kind of goes back to what we were talking about, mechanics. Uh, how to not die on lane is the last part of that. So, how, so how do you train at that level, I guess? Is the question? Uh, I'm trying to apply it to like what we've done for practice, so it's gonna be a little harder. But two v twoing was really nice. Playing lane practice against your own teammates, like you get your three and your four playing against the one and the two. You just pick some matchup you guys were having a rough time versus. And even if like say at your level, right, you might not do it perfect, but like just playing against each other, you're gonna see what your teammates' weaknesses are, and you're gonna see what they're good at, and like just communicate that. Don't try to hide anything, you know, because it's like you're to your teammates. You have no reason to be like, for example, if someone's doing something and you're like, that's really annoying, chances are it's really good. So let them know and they'll keep doing it or like do it better. Or if you're like, that was really easy to lane against you, be like, hey, why don't you go pull or why don't you block this camp? 
or you know like why you're, is your positioning so bad something something like that right yeah even at a, like a low level just being transparent with your teammates it's really helpful and like practicing against each other uh watching replays is really nice too you might not like fully understand what's you know, like exactly why I say Team Secret does some move, but like it's pretty easy to just grab some idea they did. And even if you don't know why, honestly, just getting really excited about it and like sharing some idea that looks good from a good team, I don't think you can go wrong with that. So I'd recommend just replays in practice. Would you say that, um, I don't know if you guys ever did this or you've ever done this in a competitive team, but like uh, having the different position players kind of explain their thought process through a scenario and like just to give you the better insight because obviously if you're if you're just playing four oh, yeah. all the time you might see something that a carry does and be like okay well that was fine but then if you hear the actual justification from the person who's actually playing the role uh it might be sort of like an extra level of knowledge to understand what you should be doing to help them achieve their goal uh, you know we never did that like specifically for that reason but we'd always share our thoughts like in discord after any laning practice or any scrim or whatever and it's really helpful but i wouldn't doubt that like if a team actually went out of their way to do that and like help each other understand each other's roles i'm sure that'd be really beneficial honestly because you know a lot of these roles play off of each other the four and the five play against like off each other a lot or like uh the four usually plays mid a lot if he's like a roamer so if like you understand why a mid laner is like playing on the top or bottom side it's like oh trying to avoid this gank then you have like a better idea of like your uh, gank angles and like thinking about the runes and stuff. What heroes want to control runes? What heroes don't actually care if they get ganked or get runes? Like that shit's really important. You know, if your teammate's playing Dragonite a lot and he's like, "I actually don't feel like I can be ganked," then you're like, "Oh, maybe I don't want to play a Roamer versus Dragonite." You know, something like that. I gotta say, I remember you told me recently, like, I, I think you're, I think you were coaching me, and you were saying how if you're a four, you're always gonna look to kill the offlaner at like the five minute mark or something like that. Right, so, right. so you need to demand a ward from uh, your supports as an offlaner on the shrine, so you can scout that rotation. And I've been doing that and dying so much less at that point because <laughs> good people will come and try to fight the bounty runes, and I'll already have a ward there. Or, or like after you take the tower, you know that you're going to be pushed up far, and people like know the offlaner is going to be in that area. But thinking yeah. about that from like the four perspective of just. That is a lane that is easy to kill around the five minute mark because it's like, you know, it's nighttime, like the early wards expire. Right. You should get what you want to Yeah. You like want to yeah. move. Like, naturally, you're going to want to move. Plus, like, say your tower is getting sieged. Usually, just TPing right into the tower is not the greatest move. Sometimes you can TP in the shrine, let someone else TP in the tower after you go, you know? All those things, all those factors add up and, yeah. Okay, so the last crusader says, is there any way to deal with a fed mid when you are a safe lane carry? This is like a super specific question. I usually always safe lane carry, and if I ever see mid doing bad, I always tell my support to go help, but sometimes the enemy mid just gets so fed, comes to other lanes, destroys me early, then snowballs. I try to go in jungle under vision, but it doesn't matter since they are just invading the jungle. Is this something that is inevitable? So how do you deal with the fed mid when you're a safe lane carry, Nusham? Let's go. Uh... Your safe lane carry, I would say the really good safe lane carries, they know how to gauge if like they can go to the enemy jungle. And they'll try to get vision in the enemy jungle and play there instead and cut waves. Uh it depends on what point in the game you're talking about. If it's like in the early mid game, like eight minute mark, then chances are you're just gonna be going to the offline. It's a little awkward if the tower's not dead, but you're gonna be trying to get that tower. Like, you know, cutting waves, pulling to camps, just farming the wave in front of your tower, stuff like that. But if it's in like the mid game. Usually you just try to push waves as like carefully as possible and just get to the enemy jungle. Like you want to get to the spots they're not playing in. Because if they're playing in, you know, say your jungle, 
a lot of people have this like misconception, especially at like the lower levels, that like the safe lane is safe. It's not actually that safe. It's really not, especially the jungle. Your own jungle is not actually your jungle once they're like ahead. They're just gonna take over it, and that's like the last place you want to be. Yeah, you basically want to become the offlaner at a certain point. That all that almost always seems to be the play in games where the safe laner becomes the offlaner, and then the offlaner runs to the safe lane and is like, "I'm fucking tanky." And you yeah. just stand there, and they try to take your tower for 10 minutes. Yeah, right. And then eventually they probably kill you and get it, but in that time, you're getting, like, a lot of farm. Yeah, the best part about playing in the enemy jungle, too, is, like, if they do come bring, like, say, three heroes to kill you, they're teeping away from your side of the map to their side of the map. So now they're losing a lot of pressure on your side of the map. So chances are, you know, your supports can now go walk in and deward your jungle. They can go get wards, and you can maybe start playing there soon. Stuff like that. Those opportunities don't present themselves if you keep running into a wall in front of your own base. If you run to the enemy base... Well, not actual base, but, you know, like, their jungle then. All these opportunities will start to happen that you'll notice. Yeah. If you're Jenkins, you actually go into their base, and you just sit there That's as true. nature's prophet and attack their towers. Oh, I do, I do that <laughs> sometimes, yeah. I've, um, I realized that I went, I was going, Tomato actually convinced me of this when I was playing in a game with him. He's like, I was putting wards all in their base, and he's just like, dude, I need shrine vision or something like that. And I, I just, it made, it made me have this realization that as nature's, I was like, I was going a little too ham with the ridiculous <laughs> wards, yeah. but, but I had like three wards like around their base, around the tier threes, and then one right by their fountain. It's like, all right, <laughs> we see their whole base, <laughs> but we don't see them if they're anywhere else on the map. That's kind of questionable. Anyway, okay, I have a question for you. This is not from uh, Patreon people, supporters or chat or anything. This is just a question that we get asked a lot, and I want you to settle this as like a good support, as a good four. Do fours ever buy wards? Should fours ever buy wards? Should they place wards? Like, what's going on with warding as fours? Because I hear people in the low-rated brackets, like, five rolls complain all the time. Oh, my fours don't help me with wards and, and sentries. Like, what do you think about that? Uh... I think the ratio should be like nine to one. Like actually, I think the four should literally buy like, say the, I don't know, the five bought like twenty wards. I think the four should only have bought like two to four max. I think four is literally max. Like I, I actually think it's bad. There are gonna be some games where there's like two four point fives. It's gonna be really awkward. I don't know how to like really explain that well. Like it, Shaker like, Shaman I, I, or something like I, I, that. Ogre. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, usually if you have that draft, that's bad anyway, right? But like in a competitive game, you've seen it. Like, you know, Disruptor, Rubik, right? Like who knows? Maybe Ags on Disruptor is the way to go. The Rubik's not having a good game. It's hard to really make that like decision unless you're really experienced, right? And that's just like adapting at high level play. But on like a very basic level, the four usually will buy wards somewhere in the earlier parts of the game. And it's usually because they're running around doing a lot, especially if they're doing well, you should definitely buy a ward or two to help out. Uh, it's because naturally when you're going to make these plays, you want a ward, right? So like I talked to you about that shrine movement, right? Where you TP in. If you don't have a ward in the safe lane, chances are when you TP, you want to have a ward to either place mid or like somewhere on the enemy safe lane, stuff like that. Or like the as, a, as, a, as the four TPing into as the, the, four, on yeah, the, on yeah. the five minute shrine movement. The reason why most fours would want a ward is if they want to make like some sort of smoke rotation, right? And if they see it, because chances are they're stronger, it's easier to see plays when you're the one dictating the move. So if like I'm Earth Spirit and I'm six, and I see that everyone else on the map's like five, six, like I'm really strong right now, right? So like, I want to force a fight really bad. So like if I call my team, you know, come here, we're gonna we're gonna smoke on the shrine and go to the enemy jungle. If we don't have a ward for that play, it's really awkward to just walk in at nighttime. Like it's really, yeah. really awkward. So like if you're not either smoking to a ward already placed, which I don't know what five rolls 
placing a ward in their jungle that early. Yeah, that's I feel like that's unreasonable expectations. But hey, I think I think most fives from what I've seen go between like five to seven minutes, like after the bounties or earliest on the bounty spawn right. they'll go ward. If they're that's what I'm saying is like the four could also do that. So usually the time I buy wards personally is like. If I know something big's about to happen, and I know we need vision for it, and it's unreasonable for me to just be like, hey, buy this ward right now. Like, say I'm spawning in like five seconds, and I see my team fighting on a shrine at like 40 minutes. Like, this is pretty late, right? If I see that there's a fight going down on my shrine, and like people are hiding in like these random crevasses, like near cliffs, I'm just going to TP in with a ward and immediately place it, because I know that ward could literally change the game. Like, you'll see some Sand King hiding trying to Epi, and I just silence him on Earth Spirit. He looks like an idiot, right? Right. It's like completely so different. So to kind of like sum it up, it's like f fighting a fighting ward. It's a ward yeah, to yeah, fight yeah. on. It's like the old Vici gaming. Right, right. Drop a ward during a fight, and you see shit that you otherwise wouldn't. You win that fight on like a huge power spike. Correct. The oh, main yeah. time I buy wards is usually when I'm doing good. Is the way but, I would. But fours like, are not running like around, an easy like, way. Fours are not running around placing like these crystal maiden ass like cliff wards and stuff. Like, <laughs> oh, I gotta go on a yeah, warding mission. Exactly. Fours are not doing that. You're, okay. not, you're not doing that. At least it's not, like usually to protect an area. Right. Yeah, especially like the most common word I will see a four place is they're going to the off lane because they took the tower and the off laner got kicked out to the safe lane to protect it, and then the carry's hitting up the tri camp. So the four is just down there being a core basically, like a Rubik or a Rasta, and they don't want to just feed down there, so they'll go ward the shrine and they'll just chill and farm and like pull the lane back and just farm and run their tower nonstop, farm, 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 farm. So you wore, the, you wore the enemy shrine. Right, right. You'd ward like you would ward for the offlaner. You're, you're essentially warding for the offlaner, but now you're the offlaner, kind of. So like you're warding for yourself so that you can farm. Yeah. It's yeah, that's like the most like common. Farming, farming farming like the dead lane as BSG. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if you're farming the dead lane on like a support, honestly, it doesn't feel very good to run down there and kill them with three heroes as the enemy team. Like all right, you got Rasta, he's spawning in ten seconds. Good luck with <laughs> it's that. cool. It's know. cool you say that because like I actually distinctly recall seeing ppd do that on nature's profit where he went right. and placed a ward for himself to farm and I, I thought that was i guess i guess it it seems a little weird just because of the concept of a five protecting themselves instead of like fives are supposed to sacrifice and protect their team and who gives a fuck if they die but if you're just using a ward you can sit and farm in an area for like two to three minutes you can waste you could, so much more time for the enemy well, team. you could be a core too you could actually right, right. be a core as like an it's not like profit. you're just warding for yourself right it's like it's for you to farm but like if you see four heroes running down there that should set off signals on your team like hey we see four people bottom we can go right. do so, like, anything anywhere else on the map whatever we want right now because they're going yeah. to gank this support like who cares yeah so that's a that's a that's a cool concept actually like just the idea of yeah, of, yeah. of warding and it really depends on like how do you think, do you think as an off laner i should i should be doing that like like if i'm a sand king uh, and i go to the dead lane and just to protect myself put, like buy my own ward and place it like i you think know. i told you about that i think you can do it but usually you should try to not buy it i think that's important trying to get someone to buy it for you if they can't just do it i mean i do it all the time when i play offline like pudge or something i'll just buy myself a ward because people won't people right, right. People. let's that's be honest like, that's yeah. Yeah, pubs, pubs are honest, not optimized at all. It, so. it, yeah, that's <laughs> a pub thing for sure. But like, uh, also, you want to think about like, say the enemy does want to make a move to you, and it's not necessarily to you as the hero, but like the area you're occupying, because like they're, you know, they're frustrated you're playing in the part of the map they want to go to. So if they're gonna try to smoke to you, where are they gonna smoke? They're not gonna smoke next to you to kill you, right? They're gonna smoke far away to you. So if you smoke the area, they're most likely to, you know, TP two and 
smoke. Oh, like, like, a war, like war, war their shrine and then do Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Their shrine, oh, okay, their tier okay. two. That's where they're going to smoke, right? If they're going to want to go take bot, the chances are they're going to smoke on that and go around, wrap behind you, place wards and dive you and shit. Competitively speaking, you could be like, "Hey, can you guys like get a ward on their shrine? Can you ward their like right. tri camp area or like in the like in the river so that we can see their shrine area, so that I could see the smoke sort of sort of thing? Like because I think I think tri camp wards will probably get dewarded these days, but you can still ward seeing a smoke on the tri camp yeah area that won't get dewarded. It just won't see into tangent, the camp. But yeah, pretty much yeah. I would say on four the ratio should be something like nine to one, eight to two. Don't really buy wards that much, but you know if someone's asking for help. I don't see why you can't help unless, you know, you're also struggling on gold. If you're having a terrible early game too, then chances are the wards aren't the problem. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably your play. So, yeah. I agree. I agree with a lot of the people that ask. Anyway, uh, yes. question for Dusham. What are your brief thoughts on Elder Titan in competitive and in matchmaking? Ooh. Uh, I actually really like the hero. Uh, I think he's underrated. I haven't seen I him at all in competitive. The right. weakest point about him is level one he has no 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 he has this really awkward stage right where a lot of force shine and like the early to mid game transition where like you can set up on things and like being in a lane feels kind of good but on elder titan you like want to be like behind people and like ready to stomp or like i don't explain he doesn't really push lanes fast he doesn't really do anything that good the main thing he does good is like he group fights really well but like forcing group fights not that simple especially with better players like in competitive right I think yeah. on matchmaking, he's a much better hero, especially if you are good at the hero. You notice stack camps. Like uh, I'll pick him in matchmaking five, sometimes. Though? I think he's a better five, personally. Hmm. But even then, he's a little awkward. Like You have to be really good at the hero, or I think you shouldn't play it. Like hmm. and When I say good at the hero, I mean like understanding to stack camps to get really big spirits and like run over the lane phase. If you don't run over the lane phase like that, then it's it's not warranted. I think there's just better heroes like Abaddon. You just throw Q five times. Right. There you <laughs> go. So, you it's it. so stupidly easy to play that hero. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's the most brainless. It's like Lich. It's actually like old Lich. You're right. just, it's like you're just guaranteed too, yeah. to do fine in the lane, and you then you really just do, well, and, yeah. and then you do really obvious shit outside of the laning <laughs> stage. You just heal people. You just play. Like Abaddon's always been easy to play outside of the laning stage as a, as a support. As as like a core, it's kind of more, more difficult because you're like running uh, in and it's hitting. It's still pretty easy. Pushing. <laughs> it's still pretty easy, but it's like you're you're doing this half thing between kind of being the tanky frontliner guy and being the healer. Like it is a little awkward. I remember Nushim, like you would tell me um, the way Monkeys Forever played Abaddon was different from how I played Abaddon. I played the suicidal run-in tank frontline guy, but you would you showed me that like Monkeys would show up to lanes and just like protect people and essentially play as a support, which I think both ways have a have a you know benefits. So it's like choosing right. between those is difficult. As a support, you literally just sit behind people and bubble them whenever they get stunned or silenced, and you win the game. Right, that's what I'm saying. You have Oracle, just go press Q on someone and right-click them a lot because they right-click fast. Or you can have Elder Titan running around, and like, there's all these weird niche things you have to do, like stack a specific camp, and like, what if they just block your camp? And you're just standing there, and it's like, uh, I guess I'll hit them for an extra, I don't know, 16 damage from two spirits. Like, I, yeah. I don't know. It's really awkward. It's a rough life for Elder Titan, honestly. I think that hero's garbage. I think I think the fact that he's so weak at level one. I think that... he's mid-tier, and I think he's like bottom of the top tier if you know what you're doing with him and like you have a very good idea. Like for example, I play him a lot and he's really good with like Dragon Knight. He's a guy who stunned someone. Everyone wants to go help the guy who stunned. Dragon Knight's really tanky. Everyone's clumped up around him. You get some big stomp, big ults. People are dying because of the aura and stuff like that. Like yeah. you're gonna force group fights with Dragon Knight, right? Like, so when you when you say like that, I don't know. 
when you say bottom of top tier, do you mean is there a tier above top tier? Like super I'd tier? I'd say so. There's like S. Okay. People say S tier in like other video games. I, Who's I S tier for you right now? For what roll? Four? Four. Yeah. For four. Or Shaker or Spirit Rubik. Grimstroke might be there. I'm not too sure. Uh, let me think. I don't have like a list open right now, but I'd say like those are probably. You just yeah. listed off like the most useless pub supports. Like I always have these people being useless on my team. Some Rubik oh Rasta, Rasta, sorry. There you oh go, Rasta. Rasta, yeah, yeah, he's he's great. Okay, one uh, final question from the Patreon supporters, and then I have a final question, unless Donnie has anything else. Uh, Alometry says, "How do you go about being an effective position four when your team is content with inactivity, and you can't coax them into pushing lanes or going after any objectives?" So basically, when your team doesn't want to do shit, what do you what do you do as a four? Especially, I'm going to add a little caveat. Especially as an aggressive hero who thrives off of kills like Sky or Earth. Oh man, uh, Sky. I I don't think the hero is very good to begin with, and there's a reason for this. I'm about to pretty much explain it. I think if you're not good at like flash farming creeps like Earthshaker, Earth Spirit, a lot of these heroes can actually kill creeps really fast, right? So like when you don't have anything to do. Because your team isn't doing anything. Usually the best move is to actually just suicide push lanes. Like you actually just walk down a lane and you get them to run at you and you will die. Like you actually are going to die. You have to accept that. Especially like Lash Rack. Like uh, people used to always meme about like Jimmy, uh, Demon. Unless you'd actually just suicide down lanes. And like it, it's good. It's unironically really good. It, it helps the map a lot. And this isn't just if your team isn't doing anything. Like it's actually just good pretty much all the time. Like you push so fast that like they're going to have to react to you, and that's a lot of pressure to deal with. Um, on other heroes like Sky, though, I, I don't know what to do. <laughs> I guess you just camp your, you camp your teammates and hope for the best. Have like a really good landing phase, and then be a core yourself. Like Have some Null Talismans and Kaya. I, I think that's your only option, really. Just counter gank, basically. Yeah, it, it's pretty much run around the map and try to kill people when you're strong, and then when you're not strong, because they're starting to farm up, you, you probably just hope for the best. I don't know. Yeah, makes sense. <laughs> So that's about it. There's not much. There's no secret to it, really. Uh, I actually missed a question, but I can I can answer this one. This is a Necrophos question. Soul says tips for itemization. When do you go phase? When do you go treads? Um, I basically think that you should just default to treads if you don't know. It's a good item. Gives them lots of effective HP. Uh, phase boots are good if you need to like reposition yourself to get Reaper Scythe against heroes that do a lot of physical damage, protect yourself from, like, burst, uh, physical bursts, like, life stealers, things like that. I, I really personally like phase boots because I, I like the damage, and I like the fact that you can actually, like, zoom yourself into a fight, get a Reaper Scythe off. But I do see a lot of, like, Snake Kings and stuff like that when they're trying to be more of a, of a, a core, they'll go for uh, treads. In terms of, like, tanky building t tanky items versus radiance and, and building greaves uh it's basically like I, I think that if your team doesn't have a greaves builder you should build greaves if your if your team needs a pipe and they don't have a pipe builder you should build a pipe like you're just a, gen a general offlaner that's like the rule of thumb for for offlaner like, you basically want all of these aura items and between your supports maybe some mids and and your offlaner you should have a greaves you should have a vlads you should have a, a against like specific heroes i don't know do you disagree with that new sham like I, no, I like think you, you summed it up pretty good. The only thing I would add is he's, he asked the, if there's any like specific identifiers. I think the biggest thing you should look at is what do you have on your team, right? If you have 
like TA and Lycan, like these heroes who like they need something else, right? They don't need some guy to just go dominate the lane. It's probably not going to be enough unless you know they're dominating. If you won three lanes, and chances are you won the game. I mean that's just kind of simple, but. Like, if we're talking mid-game, the game's, like, kind of even. Chances are they need a little bit more out of you than just to be some right-clicky guy with phase boots. That you probably need some Grease or Atos or Lotus Orb, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. And a lot of the counters to Necrophos usually re revolve, like, I don't know, removing his Ghost Shroud or silencing him or something like that. Benefiting so, from his Ghost Shroud, like, doing magic Yeah, damage. so usually you, you're going to look at items like, you know, Lotus Orb or Greaves. Those ones are usually to, like, remove something. And then if that's not the case, you usually want to like hit a certain tanky threshold because the reason you're usually going to be playing Necrophos is to be some like cancer hero sitting in a lane where like they don't want to go to you, but like they kind of have to because you're pressuring it. And then when they do go to you, you're like so deceptively tanky that like by the time they would have killed you, your team arrives and then you wipe them. That's like pretty much the ideal Necrophos game. So yep. trying to build towards that is really important. Yeah, yeah. You were saying you were saying to me like a week ago that. Necrophos is one of the one of the best bracer heroes because you want to basically put your HP to a certain threshold where you just survive. Like as long as you yeah. can't be bursted and you just get all your shit off and heal yourself back to full HP, you're going to Yeah, it's uh, like old tiny. Uh people don't really think about this that much these days, but like there's like specific HP thresholds that like a tiny could combo you to. It's where like if you are under that value, just get like as much HP as possible. Like it's really like prominent in Han specifically. I don't know if anyone really played that, but hell yeah, <laughs> like people would get like a lot of gauntlets. Like it looked wonky, but they'd have like a support with just four gauntlets walking around, and eventually he'd build like into like one or two bracers. And like the reason was so he just couldn't get one shot in a group fight. Yeah, I mean, maybe yeah. he'd die. He'd die after, but he'd get off. You know, like two spells. That's better than nothing. Buying right? <laughs> some, yeah, some ghost scepter or hoping for like phase boots or something to save you. That's not gonna work. So like it's the same thing on Necrophos. You want to get right to that HP threshold to where like they're trying to kill you and it's like oh he's so low get the necro and everyone's focusing you and suddenly your your team just swarms them and like you're still alive and you cut a kill and you're like healing up all this it's just really cancer right so that's, that's like the ideal that's necro. super good on on a four roll too that's going in like earth spirit is being so tanky that they just can't they, they waste so yeah. much shit to kill you because uh, it's hard right you you don't want to ignore necrophos because like he's right. slowly bringing you down with heartstopper and healing and stuff it's it's so annoying Necro Necro legitimately does a lot of damage. People don't realize if a fight goes on for a long time. Like Heartstopper does like two thousand damage to you. Yeah. I have a final question, unless you have another one, Donnie. I think we should just do like a speed round. It's like a couple of minutes speed round, just like ten word answer. Okay, let me let me ask <laughs> let me ask this one. Let me ask this one. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm curious about this. Is there anything outside of Dota that you do right now that you consider crucial for getting better at Dota? outside of dota like outside of dota is there anything because i know i know when we were back on like leviathan you would always you talk to me speaking about speaking for like, other games and stuff like that do you mean like just dota as a whole or like when i was playing competitive there's like a difference i guess uh i guess when you're playing competitive like just whatever your experience is with doing something that's not dota related that would actually help you gonna, in dota. we're gonna be kind of embarrassing but i'll just share it i don't care All right. okay. uh so i'm lactose intolerant and like i just wouldn't touch anything with cheese when i was playing on a team because i know that's going to be an <laughs> unpleasant experience like it's just going to now i'm not on a team i don't care <laughs> i really don't <laughs> like i don't and then uh you're your brains out oh yeah and then also like <laughs> your, your diet matters a lot though right like yeah. for example uh, i would just drink mainly water like i actually do like shitty drinks like soda and stuff but like on a team i just told myself wait is it worth losing like getting like a minor you know headache or something like that so like diet exercise matters a lot i, I i'm gonna be honest i didn't really exercise but i don't know it, it does help when i did do it like a long time ago like two years ago 
it helped me in game for sure, like focus. And for me, it was just diet recently. That helped me a lot. Um, playing other games does help with certain things. You have to like understand what you're good and bad at, though. So like, if you're bad at mechanics, doing something that would help that is definitely beneficial. Like uh, playing a lot of Dota. Let's say you're. <laughs> yeah, well, that definitely helps too, right? There's no way that doesn't. Help. Like, let's say you don't want to play Dota all day, but you want to do something that's like kind of productive towards Dota. If your mouse accuracy is crap, just go play some like you know FPS game or practice like there's random websites too like aim booster i think it's called or something stuff like that like uh i know for me personally like being more patient with my spells and having like a better understanding of like how being patient can turn around into some crazy play or like kill someone at the last second stuff like that like these really specific timings i played wow arena because that game's like honestly pretty much a group fight like a dota group fight like non-stop for like 15 minutes you have to to communicate really well like it helped my communication a lot in dota as well like being kind of robotic and the way I talk, instead of saying like loose terms like go on her, or, go on she, or it'd be kind of nerdy about get it. Get this like, guy, get this guy. It'd be like, I have Fissure up in five seconds. Like very specific, straight to the point, right? But like, you know, you'll be in pubs and some guy will be like, can we go on her? Everyone on the map has this question I'm like, who who's her? Like, <laughs> yeah. PA? Drill Ranger? Where am I going? Like, her girlfriend? Mid? Where, <laughs> yeah, where, where is this? Where is this happening? Who is she? Like, you know, getting into those habits aren't always going to just come from Dota. So. I think it is pretty beneficial to play other things, but you know, there's a limit too. If you're playing wild day and you go to Dota, you can't expect to be good. <laughs> so, cool. All right, all right. Well, thanks for joining us, Nusham. Um, you want no problem? <laughs> no, that was a really, a really dope episode. Some good questions, really good answers. Um, you want to tell people where they can find you so that you can. Uh... uh, yeah, you can follow me over on Twitch at jnusham or on Twitter at Nusham Dota. I stream a lot lately, so. No team there, so you know I'm just chilling playing Dota these days. Oh, one last question: Are you uh, are you gonna put together a stack <clears> for <throat> TI qualifiers? I have no idea. No. It, the NA pool is pretty subpar. People either like don't like each other and refuse to play with this guy and that, or which guy? Like, which guy are you talking about? <laughs> Who do people refuse to play? Obviously or? Jenkins. Uh, it's either that or like people think they're better than they are, and then like they just don't practice or there's, there's a lot of not that that many people worth the time investment so i don't know we'll see well i heard south america sucks as a region so you can always go there <laughs> usually doesn't work out so hot for people to do that it seems i think it dq'd or lose embarrassingly so i don't know if i want to be a cuck that's a great place to go for a good cucking isn't it, <laughs> it is, yeah. i'm itching for a good cucking time to go to sa <laughs> All right, on that note, thanks for joining us. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you on Thursday for replay review. And uh, shout out to Newsham for uh, being a good sport and being friends with Jenkins, even though it's, uh, it's a fucking burden at times. Hello, everyone, and thank you for watching the video. We genuinely appreciate your time and attention spent with us here on the YouTube channel. 